0: morning are we well good nice to see you all yes we've been away for the week I say we've been away we came back slightly early one person got sick then the next person then the next person but God is good and on Friday night I was having a little bit of a moan a little bit of a I was being a bit grumpy if I'm honest and uh, I was reading my preach notes as you do on a Friday night And I'm reflecting, going, well, God's still God, isn't he? So that was me learnt. So if this preached does nothing else for anyone today, I've been reminded that God is good. So yeah, we're speaking about worship as part of um, this Back to Basics series. And if you've been coming to church um, for at least a few weeks, you might have seen me up here singing and leading worship. And it is my privilege to help lead the team and lead you all um, when it comes to um, worshipping God on a Sunday, um, it's something that I hope, you know, Every we all enter into God's presence and we find those spacious places and those holy moments with God each Sunday as we gather. And that's important and there is power in worshipping alongside each other when we come together as God's church. There is absolute power. It is necessary and it's expected and it's part of the design of God's church that God's written down and dictated. But if that's all worship is, then I think we're missing something. And so I'm not up here as worship leader today. I'm up here as someone who has been on a journey with God, grown up, and and as I've walked with God, I've learned the power of worshipping God every single day of my life. And I'm so glad that worship isn't just those 20, 25 minutes on a Sunday that we're singing songs because if that's all it is, then we're kind of doing God a disservice. <laughs> and we're putting God in a very, very, very tiny box. And God is so much more than that, is he not? And if I don't know where you're at with God this morning. You might not know God. You might be booked into Alpha. You might be on a journey trying to find out more about God. But there is so much about God. And it is impossible to worship him with three or four songs on a Sunday. It demands a life it demands a lifestyle and that's what I hope I can encourage you with. Worship is a huge subject and when I saw that I was um, sort of allocated this topic I was like flipping heck. How am I going to speak about worship in 30 minutes? Like there is so much and I'm not going to be able to teach many people a new thing about worship today because it's so vast and it takes a lifetime I think but I hope and my prayer is that today I'm going to encourage you to work to make worshipping God your main thing and to realise that worship is a whole lot more than singing songs and that you do not have to be an expert musician or vocalist to be good at worship. Thank goodness I am not the expert in this room. There are many people who know an awful lot more about it than I do. But it should be our single motivation for Everything we do And I pray that you that we, we can tap into an understanding, or we are encouraged to hunger after more, of making worship a real lifestyle, and what that looks like, and hopefully I can help people understand that a little bit. So we're going to look at what worship is. We're going to look at how we have been designed to worship, and then how we can worship every day. Every moment. We don't have to wait until it's the holy moments. But when we're food shopping, when we're delivering that presentation, when we are on the school run, walking the dogs, making the tea, we can worship. So, So, quite put first question quite simply what is worship? It is possible to worship anything, which is good, but is also the first check this morning, it's possible to worship anything because worship, put simply, is our response to what we value most. Worship is the activity of the human soul. So it's not just something that's surface level. It goes really, really deep, which is check number two. Because if you're a Christian and you know God and you love God, then your list of what, value, what, you, what, value, what you value most should be quite short it should be it should start with g and end with d three letters but you know obviously everyone's on a journey to that point and so and it is possible to worship anything and those things might not necessarily be in and of themselves bad things but check number 1 is you can worship anything and if it's not god then not only are you robbing god of what he deserves but you're robbing yourself of the power and the awesomeness of a life that is spent living every single moment of every single day in God's presence. And who doesn't want that? Who, want, who would want to be anywhere else than in the presence of God? When you've tasted and seen just a small thing of what God is and how much he loves you and what he's capable of, why would you want to be anywhere else? So worship is the activity of the human soul which means that deep down inside of us there is a craving to worship something and like i say and we're going to talk i'm going to talk about habitual worship shortly which and i've tried to be very careful with my words that it doesn't sound like it's something that's religious but actually it is something that we should be in the habit of doing so that it's something that we do unconsciously because Otherwise, unconsciously, we worship something else. We could worship relationships. We could worship our husband or our wife. And have you ever heard the phrase, I worship the ground she walks on? Which sounds beautiful. And, you know, I'd love it if Ben would say that every so often, you know. To, but actually, if that became his lifestyle, then he's not the man that I married. And actually, our marriage is not the marriage that I've hoped and prayed for because he doesn't value God the most. It could be our jobs, it could be sports teams, musicians, bands, it could be money, cars, pets, it could be ourselves. Which if we're made in God's image isn't necessarily, you know, we are not bad. But if we worship anything other than God, we are robbing him and robbing ourselves. So this morning, it's your choice who you worship or what you worship. It's your choice where you invest your worship. But let's assume that we're all on the same page. We're in church. We're worshipping God. So let's bring God into this. And I've just said we were made in God's image. Therefore, it's in our God design. God has pre-wired us and put into his design and our DNA the craving to worship something. Because if worship is what we value most and actually what God wants most for us, he doesn't actually want our worship, he wants our heart and our relationship. So worship is a vehicle and a thing for us, although the benefactor or the recipient is God. Does that make sense? So God has made us in his image, which means that the breath of God is within us. And um, Louis Giglio, if that, I think that's how you say his name, Um, he said, um, he's he's written a very short book on worship um, and it's it's a great, great book if you want to know a little bit more about worship and get yourself thinking about worship it's called The Air I Breathe and um, he he puts in this book quite beautifully knowing that the breath of God is in every single one of us and worship is giving God his breath back Which I think is a lovely image. It's about reflecting back to God who he is and his glory. Which goes far beyond a song that we can sing. That's why it must, must, must become our purpose and our main thing here on earth. Because other people see that. And so if the Great Commission is our command, um, God-given command, then worship is our greatest joy. And worship is the attitude within which we outwork that in every single aspect and purpose of our life. And it, by reflecting God's glory in all that we do, others see it, and others see, and others are attracted to God through that. So again, by boxing it into music and boxing it into corporate worship, whilst this absolutely has its place and value, it it goes far, far, far beyond. It's actually about our own personal relationships with God. So, knowing all of that, and actually, and I, and I love this 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 um, small thought before we sort of get into um, sort of the main bulk of it, is God knows that He is worthy. I love this. This this is a proper little like. Get, try and get your head around this. God has zero ego about himself. There is no ego about God. He is perfect and he is He is love and he is everything. And yet, God designed us to worship. And God knows that he is worthy and he is the only thing that we should worship. And I was sat there thinking, well, gosh, that's just, that's weird. That's probably pickling my head. God knows that he is the only thing that is worth our worship. And yet God has no ego God does not design worship so that he feels good. He is up in heaven right now. I mean, he's everywhere, but he's up in heaven, surrounded by angels, the saints. He's outside of time. And everyone up there is worshiping God all the time. And yet he, does, he wants us to know how to worship him. He wants us, he wants. so he doesn't need any more worship. He doesn't need it, but he wants it because he knows the value of worship to the person who worships. He wants us to worship because it says in the Psalms, we enter his gates with thanksgiving and we enter his courts with praise. We get close to God. We get into those intimate holy spaces by worshiping. And if he wants relationship with us, then that's the only way we're going to get there. So he's not up there going, I'm worth it, bow down, worship me, thank you very much. He's there going, I want your heart, I want you, so can you just worship me please, because then we'll get there and I can do some wonderful things and show you some beautiful things and we can do great things together. That's what he wants us to worship and I love that he, he knows we are worthy. Worship is always about who God is. And he is always, always worthy, which, here comes check number three. It's not about whether we feel like it or whether we think he deserves it. And my week this week, like I said, I had a little bit of a grumble on Friday night. And uh, I was, you know, on Friday night, I was sort of sat reading, my, reading these, these notes through, going, I was, I was a bit cross with God, if I'm honest. It felt, I felt robbed of our week. We'd, all three of us had been sick albeit at different times. So, you know, we all helped each other. Um, and we'd had to cut, th- cut short our plans. I was just being a bit grumpy. And actually, I read through my notes and it goes, whether we feel, it's not about whether we feel like it or if we think he deserves it. And I was like, oh, thanks, God. Lesson learned. And I don't know if you, a few weeks ago, Sarah was preaching and she talked about a sacrifice of praise. And sometimes worship is a sacrifice because it's not about whether we feel like it because God is still God and God is still worthy and he always will be worthy. So worship is our response to what we value most and if we call ourselves Christians then God is the only recipient of our worship. So how can we make that which sounds amazing part of our everyday life and this is what I hope I can encourage you with today. Like I say, worship as a subject is huge and it's vast. And to be honest, it takes every single day of us walking out our faith and our walk with God to understand this and to practice it and to, and to understand the worth and the value and getting into those places. But I hope that today I can encourage you on that journey. So the first thing, and this is where I said, you know, worship needs to become habitual, Worship needs to become a habit and I hope I'm going to explain this right and God you can help. Aristotle, I'm married to a philosopher, says we are what we repeatedly do. So worship needs to become that natural, that subconscious part of you like breathing, (laughs) like the way you take your coffee, like the way you sign your name. It's not like riding a bike, because if you've ever had a few years off riding a bike and then you've tried to ride a bike again, it's not. I've had a very painful experience cycling around whatever reservoir it is in Buxton. It is not. Gemma was there. Do you remember me trying to ride a bike? Oh, well, you've blocked it out of your memory. It was that bad. It was so painful. It is not like riding a bike, but it is something that's habitual, and it should become something that's self-conscious. And then, again, check number, whatever number we're on. We choose where we invest our worship. So at some point or another, we make a conscious decision about what we worship, which then, if we allow it to, becomes a natural daily part of our life, which is where it should be, I believe, because then it becomes something that we naturally supernaturally do regardless of situational circumstance but we do at one point or another make a conscious decision to go I'm going to make worship a habit just like going to the gym just like I have my coffee black with a sweetener just like breathing it's that it's our go-to so worship, needs to be, it needs to be automatic. It starts deliberate. And yet, we've been reading Caroline Leaf's book this, since the start of January. And she talks about habits and rewiring our brains and teaching our minds new, new response mechanisms and things. And I very much believe worship is part of this, but it takes time to develop a habit. Habits and automatic and things becoming automatically... And this is where i try to be really, really careful and caveat what I say. Because yes, worship is a discipline. But it doesn't mean that it's boring. It doesn't mean that it's mindless. It doesn't mean that it's automatic. It doesn't mean that it's heartless. Habits are very powerful things. And they build into our lives some strength and some resilience. And come with, as Caroline Leaf has been teaching us, long-term health and benefits. So, you know, think about going to the gym or saving money. Really good habits to be in and actually produce really long-term benefits. Worship is like that and more, way more. I'm not comparing worship to saving money. But habits and disciplines, I believe, could be sort of interchangeable things. And I've I've worked really, really hard at making worship And by worship, I mean reflecting back to God, his glory, by declaring his goodness in every situation, by him being the first person that I run to for anything and everything. And it might even just be, God, you're still good. And I hold on to that. And that's enough for now. But I just I'm coming back. I'm coming to you right now before I go anywhere else by making God that priority and aligning our thoughts with him. I've I've tried really, really hard to make that my habit, to make that my discipline. Do I get it right? No. Do I run to other things sometimes? Yes. But, you know, I'm a work in progress. But I absolutely have worked hard to make my life habitually one of worship. And earlier this year, we... um, did um, a period of time of prayer and fasting, and on day one of prayer and fasting, Monday morning, my team at work got pulled onto a call, and um, it wasn't a good call. <laughs> it was a whole team; some bad news was delivered, and you're like, "Well, that's just perfect timing, that is, isn't it? It's day one of prayer and fasting." And I came off that call. And I had five minutes before I was due on like a next meeting or whatever it was. And I went into the kitchen and I put on my, some music. And I was like, right, God, you are bigger than that. You are bigger than all that news. You have been faithful before. You will be faithful now. I don't, I love my job. I believe I'm called cool to my job. But actually, God, you've taught me many times. I don't need a job in order to be okay in this life because you are my provider. And I'm just going to carry on with my day. And I went back to work. So it was like, it wasn't exactly a holy moment. I was like, the kettle was boiling and Spotify was playing when I was standing in my kitchen in my slippers. But, um, and I thought, right, so God's going to, there's going to be a lesson in this. There's going to be a lesson. You know, I want to go through prayer and fasting and I'm going to have a great testimony on day 21. The morning after, my boss puts me on a call and says, I'm really sorry, you shouldn't have been on that call. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, well, the reasons that everyone else is on that call, you don't, it doesn't apply to you, so you can just scrap it. And I was like, oh, okay. So God, rather than taking me through a journey, because my first, point, my first response was to run to God and to say, actually, you're God, you got a bigger than anything. He just took it away. And I was like, what? I was like, I could have done without that. But actually, God, you are so good. And I believe that that's what God wants. He wants to show us his faithfulness, but actually, it takes us resp- responding first. And it takes us building into our life a habit of running to him first, of making sure that he is the bigger and biggest thing in our lives before anything else. Worship needs to become a lifestyle. It means, and for it to be a lifestyle, it means that it's part of every little facet of who you are. Which means that it cannot just be a Sunday service or the conference or the playlist or the screensaver. It is you. Our lives, our whole lives should be something of worship. We need to repeatedly embrace worship as a lifestyle. And that action of running to God needs to become our immediate response and our immediate go-to it has to be for us to tap into the power of God but also for us to understand that going back to that psalm that says you enter his gates with thanksgiving and courts with praise for us to stay close to God we have to keep acknowledging who he is and how great he is 1 Corinthians ten thirty-one. It says whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do it all for the glory of god so whether you are working whether you are shopping whether you are sat in a coffee shop whether you are doing the school run whether you are whatever you're doing whether it seems mundane or whatever we're seeking god we're reflecting back to the back to him the glory of god through our attitude of doing it We are praying to God all the time. We are putting him first. If worship is, put simply, what we value most, then we involve God in everything and we stay close to him and we thank him for our opportunities and we thank him for the privilege of knowing him and we praise him for who he is and the fact that he doesn't change regardless of our circumstances and that builds up a life of resilience and a a habit of praising God and worshipping him. Worship then needs to be true. John four twenty three to 24 says, But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Put simply, spirit is that soul part of us. It's the immaterial not physical part of us going back to it's the activity of a human soul and truth put simply is knowing quite truthfully who God is it's knowing it's reading the bible and finding out more about him but knowing it's believing it as well worshiping in truth starts with faith and we're going to we're going to, as part of our response, if you don't know that, knowing that if in order to worship God, I have to know who God is. If you don't yet know who God is, then we're going to have an opportunity at the end. Psalm 40, verse 3 says, He has given me a new song to sing, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see what he has done and be amazed, and they will put their trust in the Lord. So as I sing my new song, as I sing my hymn of praise, as I live my life reflecting back to God, his glory, many will see. That's how we find when we bring people to God, by simply living our lives sold out for, to live for him. True worship comes at a price as well. We cannot worship God for free. Because if it's reflecting back the glory of God and if it is knowing God for who he really is and it's not about knowing about God, it's about the relationship with God and coming into those close moments and keeping him close, then we can't worship without Jesus on a cross. The cross of Christ is where true worship begins. True worship is more than singing songs. You can be singing the lyrics of a wonderful Christian song, you could have been singing the lyrics this morning. But if they aren't an overflow of what's going on on the inside, if they're not partnering with your faith, and they are just words and they are just a melody, then we could have been at insert popular band name concert, which is I don't know whatever check number we're on now. It's not the same. Words are easy to sing, but they have to be partnered with something deep down. They have to be partnered with words, with actions as well. Worship is outworked through word and deed. Going back to that 1 Corinthians, whatever you do, it's a verb. Romans 12, 1 and 2 in the message Says, take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. That's worship. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. Fix your attention on God. You will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. Whatever you do, so it's not, again, it's not just about what you say, it's not just the surface level. Worship is the activity of your soul, and therefore you have to put your weight behind what you say and what you sing, it's got to be. And this is why, as a team, we're really, really diligent that everyone who's up here is going well with God. Now, we're not not—we're not perfect. We're not, um, you know, we, we don't set, like, a really high standard because none of us would actually achieve it. You know, and life happens as well. But actually, if we're, if, if we're not in a good place with God, it bleeds out. And then if we're here to lead others, then it's going to you know, God's still God and God will still move, but actually we have a responsibility that actually if we're going to lead others, we've got to be leading ourselves right too. So it's not just about your skill, it's about your will as well. And, you know, at work, I work in quite a, um, I wouldn't say secular because God's there because I take him there, but I work in an environment which is not, overtly Christian I work in a commercial environment I work in sales and I had to consciously make sure that I take God with me to work and I can be selling and I can be you know having these commercial conversations with my clients but I'm still using them in a way to glorify God and reflect his glory back to him in the way I conduct myself in the way I operate with integrity the way I communicate with my colleagues that's worship I'm reflecting back to God, what I value most. But also, other people see that, and other people notice, and other people ask me questions. Worship needs to be heartfelt. Worship is a whole life response to God's greatness and glory. Like I said, it's not something you worship; is something you do, and not something you observe. It's not passive. It's very much active. It's worship is something you enter into, enter into his ga- through his gate. It's not something that you attend. So coming to church, you are not attending church. You are entering the presence of God. True worship is responding to God's majesty, splendor, glory, and grace. So if God is not being greatly praised through your life right now, so, and I mean this with the greatest respect and in the hugest amount of love, then how great is God in your life right now? Is your vision clouded or your heart distracted? Or am I worshipping something I shouldn't be? Has something else got that highest place of worth in my heart? So what's in your heart? Jesus says in Matthew 12:34 the second half of it. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What's inside your heart comes out. It bleeds, whether it's deliberate or subconsciously, it comes out. So you've got to make sure that God is that first and foremost in your heart, so that when Whatever you're worshipping comes out in a beautiful reflecting back to God, his glory kind of a way rather than anything else. And we're encouraged in Philippians 4 verse 8. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honourable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. There are some lovely things in this world, but actually, if it's going to be all of those things all at once, all of the time, then it's God. Think about these things that are excellent and worthy of praise. There is only one thing, one person that is all the time excellent and all the time worthy of praise, and that is God. <clears throat> But unless we see that, unless we know that, that actually the only thing that's excellent all the time and the only thing worthy of praise all the time is God, then how do we know to worship him? So it comes back to faith. It comes back to actually, I believe in who God says he is. I believe that Jesus went to the cross and died a sinner's death so that I could have this relationship and therefore be able to worship God in spirit and truth. For us to be able to worship God in spirit and truth. So today, you might need to respond by making God your Lord and your Saviour for the first time. You might also need to respond by saying, God, I've got my order of things that I value most way out of kilter and I need to realign some things so that you take that first and only place of highest value the moment we realize who he is or get that first small glimpse or when we find out something new about his character and love for us it should always spark a heartfelt cry of worship reflecting back to God who he is, whether that's an audible cry or whether it's a lie. Absolutely, Jesse, that was just the most perfect of timings. Or it changes how we interact with the world around us. So we're going to pray. And then I've got um, an image that I got this week which I'll, I'll share with us all before we sing. But let's pray first and then I'm gonna show you a photo which I really hope makes sense. <laughs> so let's pray. God, we love you. God, our heartfelt cry is that we know you and we know you every day every moment of our lives and that in knowing you we reflect back to you how glorious you are lord will you show us who you are so that we may worship you and have that privilege of entering your gates and sitting at your feet and facilitating and experiencing the holy moments even in the mundane of our our lives God the fact that we live a life that is connected to you every single moment is a joy an honour and a privilege but it starts with faith and so God right now would you show us who you are if there are people in this room and you haven't made that choice to go do you know what god needs to be first and foremost in my life and i've been fighting it but i need to stop fighting and i need to put god first and foremost then you have an opportunity right now there are people in this room who will help you but right now take a moment there's no rush it's a big and it's a brave thing because it requires a life transformed. But you will not be doing it on your own. God is here and he will never ever leave you. And you are part, you are part of a church that will help, walk, help you walk that out. But you have to take that first step. You have to make that conscious decision to start putting in good habits. And it starts with faith. And you can pray a prayer like this. God, I have been walking one way. And I now know that I need to walk another. I need to walk hand in hand, step by step with you by my side. You need to be that first and foremost one thing that I value most And I'm sorry that you have not been in that position up until now. But I pray that by saying it and confessing it in my heart, by not simply voicing my words, but believing it in my heart, that something's going to change right now and you become that Lord and Saviour that I desperately need. And I can begin a life of worship. For those of us in the room who you're listening to what I've said and something has provoked you, jolted your thinking, and actually you need to reorder what you worship. God hasn't been the thing or the person that you value most. Then right now is your opportunity to say sorry to God and to reorder. Your husband, your wife, your child, your job, your car, your property, your health are all beautiful, wonderful things that are important. But your life does not rise and fall on what on their status. Your life rises and falls on who God is. Come back to God. Okay, so I'm going to show you a picture. And this is, if I could sum up worship. And I was then, on the one day of the week when we were all feeling relatively healthy, we went to North Wales. And we, um, it's not the picture was of Abigail, but for you, it's not of Abigail. <laughs> the picture, I took this photo and I was like, God, and I was I was like what do you want people to know about worship or how can I create an image of worship for people to encourage them and make sense of everything that I've said and I took this photo of Abigail just playing and then I don't know if you can see but on the horizon this is in North Wales are hundreds of windmills can you see them? Just take, it, take my word for it. It's hundreds of windmills and they're all, they're all spinning. And they're all, they're all lined up and they're all present. And because the wind was blowing, they spun. And they did it all the time. And in the pre- so it, in the presence of the wind, their only response, their design, is to move and to spin They're designed to respond to the wind. Now, God is everywhere. God is here right now. He's in the supermarket. He's at work. He's at uni. He's in school. He's in the hospital. He's in the kitchen. He's in your car. If he dwells within you, he's everywhere. And if he dwells within you, there is wind blowing all the time. So turn. If God is in you. He is with you wherever you go, so turn.